Hi, I'm Takura McCullough, and I love live comedy. Woo! <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I, I'm already excited because you gave yourself you in a, like a like a an introductory sound effect. I'm kind of <laughs> it was awkward. I was like, uh, "Who am I talking to? My patio." Okay, <laughs> okay th- this um comedy thing is particularly interesting to me because when we first um when we first bonded we bonded over music and yes. then uh we had different fandoms like i was kind of into gaming already but you weren't so much into that and then no. you went into this comedy stuff in hockey and i was not into these things so you joined new fandoms that had nothing to do with me so I think my first question is, when did you first start going to comedy shows and really getting into it? Um, well, I always loved comedy. Like even when I was in, when I, I know, actually it started when I was in high school, you know, before, before I met you actually, um, I loved watching, um, I think the show was called Comedy Tonight on, in San Francisco Bay Area. Um, where they would brought, they would have like live comedians on and I would go into my parents' bedroom and watch it on the old black and white TV, like, you know, turning the knob carefully, trying to get the right <laughs> channel in like, ah, comedians, you know? And um, then there was the San Francisco, oh, San Francisco uh, comedy competition. What was it? Comedy. Oh man, I can't believe I got that wrong. Yeah. I think it was just a stand-up comedy competition. And I begged, begged my parents to like, can I go see, can we go see it? Cause you know, they would have like events and Jake Johansson was performing and I loved Jake Johansson <laughs> and my parents like said, okay, weirdo, we'll take you. <laughs> so, <laughs> You're, they were like, you're way too into a comedian. We don't get it. <laughs> yeah. So my parents being super awesome, like took me to the San Francisco comedy competition to see Jake Johansson perform. I was probably like 15 or 16. Um, and also, uh, I also listened to um, Live 105, which was, I guess, the, the Bay Area version of K-Rock, you know, uh-huh. um, and uh, and uh, Alex Bennett, who actually who hosted the uh, Comedy Tonight show, was the morning host. And he was way into stand up comedians and stand ups were always on in the morning. And I love David Feldman and Jake Johansson and Dana Gould and all these comedians were on all the time. And I was just, I, I don't know. I just got into it like as a teenager. And then, um, and then I guess in college, I guess I, I kind of stopped in college because I didn't have access, you know, I didn't have the radio station. I was in a new place in LA. I didn't know anything. And I was in college, you know, so like, what am I going to do? Go to the improv or something, <laughs> you know, at 18, I'm in Whittier, uh, without a car. There was no way. So, it was, so a, it was a money and a transportation access problem. Yeah, it was an access thing. And so I just like got, you know, but I was still into like MST3K. So that was like my substitute. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was obsessed with like Mystery Science Theater and then and Red Dwarf. My sister would send me um, VHS tapes of Red Dwarf. She would like tape it for me. Are you familiar with Red Dwarf? Okay, I have a I have a, a strong opinion that everyone may not agree with, but I think some people do because I've talked to them. So okay. the first season of Red Dwarf, I watched for the very first time. I think I rented it from Netflix while my wife at the time was off to Washington, D.C. doing training. And uh-huh. I made a point of, I'm going to watch all this and I'm going to sit every day and just like binge watch <laughs> Red Dwarf on DVD. And I watched that first season and it blew my mind. And then the jump to the second season was like, oh yeah, there's almost no connection. It's a brand new plot. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. I don't like this at all. So I love that first season. And then I completely 
got derailed by the second season. You know what? It's been so long since I've watched it. I remember there is a difference between the seasons, but I don't remember exactly how they they didn't they recast Kachansky. I remember they recast they did. There was recast. Yes, they had to recast because I think there's a. I mean, and BBC is used to not using the same people constantly. We're just it's a brand new story right. or whatever. This this vision we have here of comedy series that comedy and drama series must have the same actors. Um, it's just way more. They'll just jump to a new plot line and that stuff much more often. I see. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't, that's funny. I don't really remember. I have to go back. And like, and then when it, like, it came back, you know, like after like, <laughs> we've been off the air for 15 years. But right. <laughs> we're back. And I'm like, no, that's okay, guys. <laughs> I don't need to see like aged Rimmer. I don't need that. That's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm older too. It's good. But um, yeah, so my obsession with comedy, you know, always was always there. Um, but yeah, I guess when we met, yeah, I was like, really, I, well, of course I was into music. That was, you know, I was into music and, um, what else did you say? You mentioned hockey. That wasn't really until after I graduated. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. <laughs> but did you remember I used to be, my nerddom was gaming and that was not, again, in our Venn diagram of interests. I don't that, remember that. See, that's what you just completely put it out of your head. Or I never talked about it in the same way you never talked about comedy at the time or it wasn't as big a deal. I yeah. guess gaming and all our conversations wasn't a big deal. Yeah. But, you know, I was still, like, kind of mildly obsessed with comedy because I remember going out with friends with, you know, you know, when your friend had a car and you were like, woo, we're going to L.A., woohoo, you know. I remember going out with friends, and it was a really confusing night. Like, I think this was the same night. I might have it confused. We were supposed to go to a rave, but my friend <laughs> couldn't, couldn't find it. Like we were just like driving around like random industrial neighborhoods or something. And then we ended up um, at some all night diner. I'm sure it's famous. I don't remember what it was. We ended up at some diner and I remember just being sick of the, the people. I was just like, I was at my limit, my introvert limit. I didn't know it at the time, but I was just like, I'm sick of it. I hate everybody right now. I need to go for a walk. So I, um, Walked. I was remember walking, and then I was like, Ooh, "This is kind of a creepy area. I shouldn't be out here by myself." You know, I was like probably 19 or 20, and um, I was 19 probably. And I looked around, and I was at the comedy store. I remember like realizing that's the comedy store. You know, the famous. Yeah, like you would, and you're like, I know that place because I've literally seen it on intros to things. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this is famous. But then I remember thinking, this is creepy. I think those are sex workers over there. I don't feel comfortable. I'm going to go back to the diner. And so (laughs) I was like, I'm going to go. This was bad. But it wasn't the sex workers that made me feel uncomfortable. I just want to make that clear. It was just like I was already feeling something about the neighborhood was creepy. And it wasn't until years later that I learned about the history of the comedy store and how somebody like committed suicide, like jumping off the building. And I was like, I think I was I'd like tapped. That's like the only like paranormal thing that I even believe in is that somehow I had tapped into the bad energy yeah. of the comedy store. And I was like, no, nah, this is I'm, I'm out. I think it's the comedy store. I hope I'm not slandering the wrong um the wrong comedy club. So was this, is Comedy Store in Los Angeles proper? I, you know what? <laughs> Takura should not be doing this podcast. Oh, God, um, don't. 
Don't worry. You know what? This is the thing where in in the write up I do, I'll be like, I figured out where the comedy store was. I was just gonna say oh, okay. Los Angeles is a city. Some cities are. New York has a reputation for, hey, it's the city that never sleeps. Los Angeles is a city that dies a quick death at six o'clock p.m. <laughs> the whole place empties out and people flee to the suburban communities. And yes, there's which some- is so. Yeah, there is some light nightlife there, but it's easy. You might be right next to a concert venue, but if you walk a block in any direction, it's going to be oh, yeah. dead silence. That's true. Yeah, so I think that, yeah, that was, yeah. No, it was in L.A. proper. It, it's, uh, it might be Hollywood, actually. I, I, okay. God, I'm really vague because I don't live, like, in L.A., so I don't have to go into L.A., so my knowledge of L.A. neighborhoods is really bad for somebody that's lived here for 10 years. <laughs> So, because I live in Pasadena, I can just stay in Pasadena. So, like, I still get Silver Lake and Echo Park confused. So, I, I, I'm, I'm useless. Ooh, local, local jokes for local. <laughs> Let's make, now we can make all kinds of comments because I was just, in, uh, I was just in the San Gabriel Valley where I grew up. So we can make all kinds of. That's one of my favorite things oh. about my friend is the fact that the entire theme song is built around the fact that she's going to West Covina, even though they don't really film in West Covina, they film kind of near oh, yeah. West Covina. But I always yes. okay. Here's my secret shame. Um, my obsession to co- with comedy okay. also came to a fruition when I started taking classes at the um, Upright Citizens Brigade, LA, UCB. Um, something I took improv, all the improv classes. So yeah. I'm a genius, is what I'm saying. I'm telling you, I'm a genius. <laughs> um, but I always wanted to take the musical improv class, right? And That's that class al- always sold out right away. I never got into it. As a result, anytime there's something music and comedy related, I don't watch it. <laughs> I am bitter. I never watched Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, because I'm like, mm, that's what I want to do. Nope. I, w- I would just sit there jealous the whole time. I, w- I wouldn't enjoy it. Oh, my God. So okay. You're making me feel better because I have, I, I have that reaction to things. There are things that are sort of in my wheelhouse, but I didn't. I wanted to do this, but I never did. Either I was too busy or I was afraid to do it. Or And then, yeah, it can kind yeah. of poison this little pocket of something you like. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, so musical improv, like, my friend uh, Julia, like, made me go see, um, there's a group. Uh, I think it's, is it Baby Wants Candy? I think that's what they do. They do musical improv. And I was like, you know, you realize, Julia, this is the first time I've gone to see this group because <laughs> I never wanted to see it because I always wanted to do it. Yep. And it was fun. I, I did enjoy it. I wasn't bitter the whole time. But still, I, yeah, there's just that pit in my stomach. I'm like, I, that should be me. I should be up there. I could do that. I could do that. Which what? is so selfish. It's <laughs> so rude. I know, but it's that, that just things we get little like uh, we get little knots of poison stuck in us. And it's like I, I don't want to be I think of it. Everybody can think of it any way they want. But I think of it like okay. you've got an infection at some point. And you got some pus stuck in a pocket somewhere in your body. And honestly, now, after the fact, it's going to be painful to go in and try to pop it or do anything with it. So you just avoid mm, it. That's yeah. what happens to me. Because you're going to have to get rid of it. You'd have to do some work. You'd have to give up. Yeah. You had a dream for this thing. And now you're going to have mm-hmm. to work through the fact that you didn't do it. Or do you want to do it now? Or do you want to let it go? Like, oh, no. Ex- let it go. Yes. Yes. You are totally right. Uh, there's nothing stopping me from signing up now. Yes. Uh, nothing's stopping me from taking that class now, but somehow I've decided that window has closed. <laughs> I you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's so sad. But, um, you know, um, yeah, let me try to, I'm trying to trace back. I like this idea of moving um, 
chronologically through my obsession with with a uh, live comedy. But uh, yeah, I, I think um, fueled by crushes because um, <laughs> I did, I did want to ask that. So when you mentioned that you kind of had this thing for that guy, for Jake did it, was it kind of comedy mixed in with with uh, comedy mixed in with puberty? Yeah, uh, definitely. But I think I think that's just something that that I have. And I think, uh, you know, it's a stereotypical woman thing, uh, which is also like the stereotype of why dudes get upset when they take their girlfriends to a comedy club and they get mad. Because like, if somebody makes me laugh, I I become attracted to them. You know, if somebody's like consistently funny, that makes you more attractive. So um, I don't know. It sounds like chicken and the egg. I don't know what came first. I, I, I don't, I honestly don't know. Um, but yeah, I was, yeah, I was definitely obsessed with Jake Johansson, um, who is still doing stuff and I don't watch it. I don't, I don't watch. I'm sorry, Jake. But cause I, I don't know. I, I, again, I feel like I'm just going back. It would be like weird to go back to something that I was obsessed with when I was 15. Hence my podcast. What? Why? <laughs> 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 but I have a podcast exactly about old obsessions, but, um, but yeah, yeah, Jake Johansson, fortunately, he's still working. But um, yeah, so yeah, I was in love with Jake Johansson. Um, I had a crush on David Feldman. Oh, the thing about the uh, San Francisco radio show, morning show, is that um, they would have, you could have a lot, they had like a quote unquote live audience. So a couple of times a year, me and my friends would like, when we had like a school day off or something, we would like all get in somebody's car, drive up to San Francisco early in the morning and like crowd into the studio for uh, the Alex Bennett show. Would they do and, that every day? Cause that is, yeah, every, wow, every that's day. totally different than almost, yeah, almost no radio yeah. drive time yeah. thing does that. Nobody does that, yeah. And so like, yeah, you would like wait. I, I don't really remember. I know my friends probably remember this more than I do, but like you would have to like wait downstairs and then they like buzzed up and then like go up the stairs or maybe there's an elevator. I don't even remember. But, um, yeah, and then it was, like, it wasn't made for have life people, so there's a limit on how many people could be in there. And sometimes you'd end up standing the whole time, you know, depending on how many people showed up that day. Right. Um, yeah, it was, it was super fun. I mean, that was, that, was, that was my favorite thing to do. Um, I loved, oh, my gosh, Kids in the Hall. Totally obsessed with Kids in the Hall. Um, oh, I yeah, lied, because we did talk about Kids in the Hall. That was a there thing, we too. Go. We were hooked there up we on go. Kids in the Hall. Yeah, we were, a, yeah. We both love Kids in the Hall on college. I tried to talk my friends into going to see a taping of Kids in the Hall. They're like, you want to go where? I'm like, no, let's go. We can go to Canada. Were they in Toronto? It's like, let's go to Toronto and see a taping. And they're like, no, Takuri, why would you want to do that? And I I didn't understand why nobody else wanted to go to Toronto to see taping of Kids in the Hall. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, so, you know, it was was TV stuff. And then... um, I guess it was, uh, no, was it after, I don't know, my chronology is a little bit off, but I think it was after college, um, when I moved back, I was forced to move back home, and then I realized, hey, I can go to comedy clubs, and I'd done it a little bit before, I used to go to Rooster Tea Feathers in Sunnyvale, what's up, Rooster Tea, they're still around, (laughs) um, a friend and I went to see Carlos, Carlos Elizraki, I think that's one of the first comedians that I saw live. Jake Johansson in San Francisco. And then I think my, I think my friend Dave, Dave and I went to see Carlos Alazaraki at Rooster Tea Feathers. Do you know Carlos Alazaraki? 
Wait, you keep calling. What is this? Pl- tell me what this thing is called. First of all, I, just two points. One point is almost all the names you mentioned, I'm not uh-huh. going to know. I heard I heard uh, Dana Gould. I'm like, oh, okay, now I know a name that was mentioned. Are you okay. Rooster Teeth Feathers? Because there is a Rooster Teeth, which is a now a oh, – I, no. I think they moved to Texas. That is a video game comedy thing. No. That is not what you're no. saying. No, I'm saying Rooster. Okay. Initial T. Feathers. Oh, that was the name of the comedy. That's the name of the comedy club in Sunnyvale. Okay. Horrible name, but great <laughs> club. Been there for ages. Still there. For I love them. I will never not love Rooster Tea Feathers for being a comedy club in Sunnyvale, California. So I don't have to drive up to San Francisco. You know what I mean? It's like, yes. thank God you're still around because there's so many comedy clubs that died. You know, there's yes. that whole comedy boom, and so many are gone. But Rooster Tea Feathers held on in Sunnyvale, and I still go there. When I go home, I will stop by Rooster Tea Feathers. But Carlos Alves Rocky was uh, Rocco. He did the voice of Rocco for uh, okay. Rocco's, Rocco's Modern, Modern Life. Life. Yeah. And he's also on Reno 911. Um, uh, shoot, I don't remember because okay. it's been a long time since I saw that. I've watched that show. Um, Junior, I think. Isn't Junior one of the characters? Maybe. Uh, so this is again on a on a if, if we were doing this was a quote unquote real podcast, there'd be uh-huh. a man or a woman who's sitting next to mm. us who looks this stuff mm-hmm. up on the internet, and then we make them do things. Right. Of course. <laughs> okay. So I think he's junior. Anyway. So yeah, I remember seeing Carlos Alves Rocky. Um, and then yeah, so when I moved back home, I was like, oh, I can go to comedy clubs. I'm an adult. So um, I remember trying to see. Oh. I fell in love with Patton Oswalt and um, Blaine Kapatch. Okay. Um, they were doing like little uh, interstitial things on uh, Comedy Central. You know, like, uh, um, you know, like in between shows, they would be do like little bits. Yeah, totally. The stuff that like Comedy Central used to do the stuff that Adult Swim is known for now. The in weird interstitials. Right. Yeah, weird interstitials mixed in with commercials in the regular show. And yeah, and they got these two guys he would do it one shorter guy one taller guy and like this is like back in the days of like AOL by the way AOL was still going strong listeners at this time (laughs) and me and one other girl on AOL were just like who are these guys that tall one is hot (laughs) (laughs) I love these guys and um and then and then I would see Blanca Patch his name in the oh I would look at the TV I would look in the listings oh oh Brendan you would go you would open the the newspaper this is what okay. you used to do okay you go to the newspaper and you go to the weekend listings and you would look under comedy and you would scan for names that you know you would scan the list of comedians that were going to be at the comedy clubs that week yes. and I would scan I say Blaine Capat like ah all right, I got to go to, oh, I can't remember the name of the club. Anyway, I got to go, got to drive up to San Francisco. Blaine Patch is going to be there. I did that a couple of times and Blaine was never there. Oh, I think it was the punchline. It was the last one. And I was like, why? And, and back in the day, newspaper, they couldn't like, it cost a lot of money to say, oops, Blaine's not going to be there, everybody. You know, if oh, the listing was yeah. wrong, the listing right. was just wrong. You couldn't update it. Um, so like a couple of times I drive up to the punchline to see people. Oh, you know, Janine Garofalo would be there. So it wasn't like a total bummer. I'd be like, Oh sweet. I got to see Janine Garofalo. That's good. But, um, Blaine, am I talking too fast by the way? You're not talking too fast for me. 
Okay. All right. Because when I get excited, I talk fast. Okay. So, <laughs> so Blaine wasn't there again. And I asked, and I, I think I asked a waitress or something. I was like, where's, why wasn't Blaine here? And she's like, oh, he moved to LA. He got a job writing for Mad TV. And I was like, I just moved back from LA. <laughs> Because they had been doing that radio show. They had been doing the Alex Bennett show. They were in San Francisco when I was in L.A. doing that radio show that I used to go to. And so then we switcheroo and I missed them completely. And I was so mad. But then I started watching Mad TV to see, like, I wonder what, what they wrote. What, what, what bit did they write? You know, um, so, yeah, that was that was my sad going to comedy clubs. What is trying it? To catch. Can I ask, you mentioned at the beginning, so uh, you have fond feelings for the comedians that you first introduced yourself to or were introduced to in your mm-hmm. high school years. And yes, you like, you, and now you're like, sort of like, oh, I don't really follow them anymore. Is it like a music thing where there are bands I was super into, there's a time you, your your music flower bursts open and you get into music a lot. And those things you loved maybe when you were 14 or 15, uh, yeah. You just, I mean, you kind of like them. Like I loved Mr. Mister for like three years. It was, part, <laughs> I loved Mr. The albums were great. And like, now it's just kind of dated. Have, have yeah. you grown away from them or above? Have you become a more connoisseur of comedy or just your no. tastes have changed? No, no, no. My tastes have not changed. I'm still okay. as tacky as I was. No, I think, <laughs> I, I, think I had good taste. Um, here's the fun thing. Last summer, I met Blanca Patch. Like, last summer, I met him, and I was physically shaking. And, um, uh, yeah, like, Blaine knows who I am now, which just blows my friggin' mind. But, um, uh, no, I still love the same people. Um, uh, Jake Johansson's changed, but, I mean, that made sense. His comedy changed, but his comedy changed like after a few years after I saw him. It wasn't, um, it wasn't like he turned into like uh, a completely different person like a few years ago or something. His, his comedy, you know, changed as everybody's does. But um, he used to dress a lot goofier, and he's like, eh, I'm just gonna dress like a normal person now. But um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Some comedians I, I still follow, like Patton. I, it's not like I was like, fuck Patton, you know. <laughs> I, I still love Patton Oswalt. Um, he was super nice to me in that AOL freaking thing. Like yeah. he like checked in. He was like, Hey, Hey ladies, what's up? Like, oh, oh, <laughs> I think like another writer on mad TV, like said, um, there are these girls obsessing about you. And, um, and then when I went to, he put me on the guest list for the uncabaret. Uh, when I went down to LA to visit, to visit my friend, Chris, we, uh, went to see him perform he and Blaine perform at the uncabaret and uh and I met Patton Oswalt this is before he was Patton you know this is pre-ratatouille you know right um and uh I basically said nothing because this is when I was in my 20s and I was very bad at meeting people and I would just sit there and look at you because like my brain would be doing so many things that nothing would come out of my mouth <laughs> So I did a piss poor job of meeting Patton. Um, I was afraid to talk to Blaine, but Blaine, but uh, Patton was really sweet and you know, talked to me. And then, and then, and then, what did Chris and I do that next day? We went off to Detroit to see hockey. That, that's what that week was. 
see the comedy, comedy and the hockey, right? The, see yes, some hockey. hockey later, but okay. Yeah. But no, yeah, I still, I still, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I think, yeah, maybe it's just Jake. Maybe it's just Jake Johansson. I'm just like, I can't go back to the first, my first comedy crush. I just can't. Do you, it sounds like it's still, it's still tied into an intense passion. I feel like it, uh, people, men and women who are into something there's like an intense feeling you get and it transcends normal like, oh, I went to a movie and I liked it or that restaurant's nice or I enjoy this Merlot over that Merlot. It's not an obsession. It's just like it triggers something deeper, younger, more primal. We love it so much. There's something deeper, younger, more primal in us. And it, it's I can still hear that triggering. And I think about and so d- does it feel like what, is your experience now? Does it still feel similar to feelings you had when you were? Younger, much younger. No, you know, no, you're right. It's different. You're right. I, I, yeah, I feel like maybe like part of me is like afraid to revisit that person. Like, what if I <laughs> see Jake Johansson and what if I feel the same way I did then? Like, what if I become re-obsessed? Or the flip side, what if I think he's not funny anymore? You know, like what, what if, what if I'm horrified and disappointed? Um, yeah, I, yeah. It, there's a fear. I'm afraid. I'm, I am afraid to to go back and, and, and listen to Jake. Um, Can I ask, it's interesting you said, what if I don't like his humor anymore? I want to ask you about something because I, I feel like there's something that's been happening in the past few years. It, it's always happened. But mm-hmm. because comedians are always trying to push for things to be fun, all comedians don't think this way, but generally a lot of comedians, when they get together and talk about comedy, they're like, the only way to really be funny is you got to push over everybody's line. Wherever the line is, you have to go ahead and go over Right. That. And that means they wind up saying things that are, even if they're, so they're not part of their political philosophy. They're not part of, mm-hmm. but they're just like, it's funny. So then they say things that are sexually, racially religiously, culturally inappropriate, or sometimes they say things that are really nasty or they do things that are nasty. How have you, in your fandom, how do you navigate that when someone whose comedy like either says something really bad or they do something bad and you don't agree with? Um, well, I've been pretty fortunate. There's only been like a couple of comedians where I've had to say, you know what? I'm done with you. Um, it's not been anyone that I really was like upset. Like none of my like number ones. Like yeah. I don't follow Louis C.K. anymore. Yeah. I used to. I really enjoyed him. I really enjoyed his shows, and I had no trouble saying, "Well, we're done." Um, <laughs> <laughs> didn't feel bad about that. But about comedy, I you know, it's interesting. There are some jokes. Honestly, there are some things now that I thought were funny like 20 years ago that I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, I was wrong. Me too. <laughs> that was, yeah. I'm that was not you. funny. And sorry, but you know, um, I, yeah, it's hard. It, it's really hard because I feel like it's, I feel like, I feel like we're always changing. We're always developing new perspectives on things. So like, I think about like Todd Glass, I, 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 um, I used to, follow him a lot I used to um, listen to his podcast a lot I've kind of fallen off the last few years but he had uh, he used to have a um, a joke a rape joke that he said was like the only funny rape joke and okay. I wonder if he still and I wonder if he still thinks it's okay you know when you were asking me I was like oh remember Todd Glass had that joke and the joke 
and I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like I should say it, but I don't, I don't want to mess it up. And, and you know what I mean? Okay, you know what we'll do? Here's what we'll do. I'm sure he's recorded it somewhere. We can, I'll put uh-huh. a link and say, here's Todd Glass's rape joke that he says is the only funny rape joke he can do. Well, which he used to say. That's the thing. I want. Oh. He used to say that. I don't know if he still says it now because I haven't been. I've kind of fallen off. Uh, you know, following Todd Glass the past few years. But I know, like about five years ago. Yeah, that's what he would say. And um, you know, and I got it, and I was like, oh, okay, I understand why you think that. Did I ever really think it was funny? I don't know, because I feel like some things are just a. You know, I know this word gets overused, a trigger word. I feel like some things are so loaded that it's just best to avoid it. You know, like don't even. Why? Yes. Why do you have to have a rape joke? You know, it's like that's so loaded, it's unnecessary. Okay, then, um, then I want to ask you about, there's somebody I really like, and I like him now more than I did five years ago, um, because I think he's changing, and I think he does weird things in the comedy space, is what is your take on Dave Chappelle? I, I you know what, I, I have not watched his latest, the eight minutes, what did he, what was that last thing he did, eight minutes, 39 seconds? Yeah, yeah. I have not watched that. I must confess. I watched the first part of it. And then because I'm still kind of traumatized by recent events, I was like, you know what? I can't watch this right now. Oh, yeah. So. And that's that's mostly I watched it. That's mostly not. It's not really. There are moments of funny, but there's not. It's not funny. He's just speaking on this thing. But he'd have those two comedy specials, I think, that push the buttons over the past couple of years on Netflix. Right. I did not watch them because I saw so many people complaining about it and people that I liked complaining about it yeah. that I was like, well, I don't, I don't want to watch it and be upset with Dave Chappelle. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, and you know what? I'm really bad at watching people's comedy specials. Um, like I said at the beginning of this, live comedy is my thing. Um, I'll do podcasts for a while and then I will, I will, I will stop listening to your podcast. I apologize everybody, but I have a very limited, like I'll follow you. I'll listen for a few years and then I will find something else to listen to. I don't know what it is about me, but I don't watch people's comedy specials. I don't listen to your comedy albums. Okay. That's fascinating to me. Cause I think I probably I'm with comedy the way I am with music, which is, I don't like going to live comedy shows. I don't like going to concerts. I listen to music all the time. I don't like going to concerts. I don't like the crowd. The crowd energy almost never, Mm -hmm. only on rare occasions, has the crowd energy improved. A Nine Inch Nails show, I went to an Oingo Boingo. There's probably two or three shows out of the 30 concerts, big concerts I went to, that it was better that I was there in person. It was really good. Wow. So yeah. tell me about how the live thing, when you watch the special or you listen to the the comedy album, why being there in the moment with the comedian is just a different experience. How does it feel different to you? I think, I honestly think it's me and my attention span. If I'm <laughs> watching something on TV, I'm going to wander off and start totally. doing something else. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm going to pick up my phone. I'm going to go, oh, I'm hungry. And then I, you know. I, it's my attention span. It, so, and also, you know, when I'm there and also just being there it is being a part of it. I mean, you are a part of the experience. It, yeah. It's always going to be different. Um, there is that, you know, that synergy, synergistic, that energy. Uh, I, I really do believe in that crowd energy. 
like when you were talking about concerts, I, I was like, I can't imagine, like, <laughs> I can't imagine going to a concert and being like, uh, I, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm with just, well, okay. I'm a weird, I'm with you. No, I understand. Yeah. I totally. I, I, I've, you know, not saying I haven't been to a bad concert or like not right. enjoyed somebody's performance, but like I'm trying to like the last concert I think I went to was uh, Franz Ferdinand, and like I just love the I love that feeling of adoration that comes from the crowd, like when we're all like yes the song, you know, <laughs> I, I love that so much, and I also love like the weird feeling in a comedy club when like half the room likes that joke and the other half is like not sure <laughs> i love that feeling oh, that half laugh you're right that i like even i haven't been to that many comedy shows but you're right even on the comedy specials you can see the comedian is also like when there's a 50 50 split the comedian gets a little stoked a bad comedian's freak a good comedian is like ooh, <laughs> they just like, hey, stood me on the razor right how come you guys didn't like this joke <laughs> right i love that i love that I love, um, I love, I love crowd work. Um, I'm a, yeah, I'm a total, uh, yeah, I'm a sucker for crowd interaction. I, I, you know, and I think maybe, maybe part of it is because I'm a, because I'm such an introvert, I save everything up and then I just go out, I save it all, I save up my energy, <laughs> go to a comedy club, ah, and then just go home. Like, ah, I'm safe, you know. I, I, yeah, it's just like a, a safe outlet where I where I could be a part of the crowd, but I don't have to be. I don't have to put myself out there. I don't have to. I be was going to ask if you uh, do you like being called on? Do you ever ask to be called on? Here's the thing. I do not have a problem sitting in the front row of a comedy club. Um, here's why, because. As having performance experience, I know how much it sucks to have everybody sitting in the back. That sucks. As a performer, you want people in the front so you feel like you're actually talking to somebody. So as an audience, I feel like I have an obligation to fill in the front row. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, I'll, I'll get picked on. I'm like, who, you going to see Don Rickles? Who, what, who are you going to see? Not that many comics are like, I'm going to just tear apart the front row, you know? That doesn't happen very often. And when it does, I mean, unless you're going to see assholes, it's not going to be that bad. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. So yeah, I don't mind really being a part of it. Uh, but here's the thing. A lot of times being a large black woman is very interesting. Um, large black woman sitting by herself 90% of the time in the front row of a comedy show. Um, there are some comedians who will avoid me like the plague. They're just like, oh, <laughs> this is a this is a, not going to go well. I'm going to fall into some, I'm going to make some mistake, and the audience is going to hate me. And then there are other comics who are like, oh, no, I need to point out this woman. You know, but the, nobody's been an asshole, though. Nobody's been a jerk. Have but, you either, have you ever heckled or heard heckling, and you're like, this comedian deserved it? This dude's off, oh. or, this person's off the rails. Oh, no, 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 never. Um, I did go see, I did have tickets to um, a comedy festival once and part of, and you had to buy it in a package and it was Dennis Miller was part of my package. Mm -hmm. And this is post 9-11, Dennis Miller. And I was like, well, I'm going to go. I have the ticket. 
And I went and I was like, mm, mm-mm. But now I could have heckled. Instead, I just, I kind of said to myself, I, I think I said this out loud. I said, I got to go. And I got up <laughs> and I walked out. <laughs> uh, you know, if somebody had hacked, I don't know. I, I really, yeah, I really, really hated some of the things that Dennis Miller was saying. And I just left. Was um, he, was this his post 9-11? I mean, did he go on sort of a patriotism rant yes. in comedy? Okay. He was, yeah, I yeah, do remember he was that. getting he was getting, he was starting to say stuff about being American. And I, don't know, yeah. I was like, okay, here we go. I'm <laughs> um, and I left. Um, yeah, I don't know. Here's the thing. No, you should not heckle. You can, ex- you can ex- express your discontent um, by leaving. Yeah. By maybe letting the man, whatever the booker, the whatever, know that you didn't care for that person. Yes. But but by heckling, you're never you're you're never going to win because that person is on stage and has a microphone. What are you accomplishing? I I mean, I yes, I completely agree. There's um, no you're just and you're going to just piss off the I mean, if that person has fans in the audience, you're just pissing off the fan. I mean, unless to, maybe now yeah. I'm trying to think like, unless. So I'm, I'm wondering most, like of the, a, most of the heckling we see. So the ones that they'll show videos or when you're there and someone's heckling, it's either they're, they're allowed when, when they have three beers, they're allowed mouths. And so they're yelling too much mm-hmm. or they're having a good night and they're just, they're just mouthy. And so they're just, they're babbling almost nonsense. And the comedian just kind of works it in very seldom. Does somebody actually make a, they're trying to make either a funny or a reasoned argument with that comedian about Right. And I've never, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that. And I'm trying to think like, what situation, what would a comedian have to say for me to stand up and say, <laughs> you are bullshit, you know, yes. I, yeah, they would have to say something really awful for me to like stand up and be like, you're full of shit. Um, like, I don't know, maybe if they say all lives matter, I, no, I'd probably just walk out. You know what? I, I can't think <laughs> I'm just like a non-confrontational person, I guess. But um, you know, I remember I went to see, uh, Joe Rogan a few years ago. Um, he was here in Pasadena at the ice house yeah. and, um, you know, I ha- I knew Joe, I knew that Joe Rogan had said and done some things that I didn't agree with. Um, I never listened to his podcast, but I was like, oh, Joe Rogan from news radio, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. memory. It's of Joe Rogan. And I went, that was the most uncomfortable I've been in a long time and I've been to open mics. No, um, that was one of the more uncomfortable ones because some of his jokes, I was like, yeah, Joe Rogan. Ha ha. That's funny. And then some of the things I was just sitting there like my mouth has a straight line. Like, that's not funny. That's no, you're wrong. This whole premise is flawed. I don't, you know, it, it was weird. It was like, ha ha ha. Oh no, no, no. Oh, ha, ha, ha. no. It was weird. It was a weird up and down. Um, so, but I didn't feel the need to, I, you know, what, do I, yeah, I couldn't heckle. Like, your premise is flawed, you know, <laughs> like, it doesn't, what, yes. There's nothing you can do. Uh, yeah. 
Well, I'd say that's part of the difference. Um, when you had people who have characters, and so they go up and do these characters, but then they're, it's a it's a show they put on about this character. Now, as you have the bleed over, you had it in the very beginning where you had a comedian who had who was on the radio every day. That means whatever that comedian's, you can't be on the radio, you can't talk every day on a podcast or a radio show and then have it just be your persona. It's going to be you at some point. And yeah, that's when yeah. whatever darkness or your own problems come out. And that's why I think it's like you mentioned kids in the hall. Like they were always this weird mix of like when I, Monty Python were mean and nasty sometimes and kids in the hall, like it was that same absurdity. But mm -hmm. I don't know. It always seemed like the joke was either on them or it was never nasty. So as you said, like, I don't go see jerks or assholes doing comedy. I know they're assholes. I know they're an asshole before I show up. I'm not going to pay tickets to go see that. There's some people right. who seem like you seem like a decent person. And we, I have so many hours under the belt listening to you talk, blow shit out your mouth. I think you're probably my kind of people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, and I feel like a lot of the hecklers, maybe, I mean, uh, not the drunken ones, but like the ones right. that maybe have a problem. Are those the people that just go, hey, let's go to a comedy club tonight? Did they not yeah. know who they're going to see? <laughs> right. You know, maybe they're those people who are just like, yeah, let's just go and see what happens. And it's like, oh, no, this person likes Obama. What the, you know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you, you got to know who you're going to see. That's yeah, I think that's not that might be a part of it. Oh boy, open mics. I just I mentioned open mics and yeah, I I I uh in my effort to support uh, local comedy, I've been to some open mics and I went I saw some I've seen I saw the worst comedy. I've been to like multiple open mics. I don't know why this one open mic just went so bad. So bad that the host like came out and like just like went off on this dude. He's like, I told you not to do that joke. You did it anyway. Holy crap. Do not come back here. Do not bring that shit here. It was amazing. It was an amazing night. <laughs> it was so bad. He had like terrible flawed premise jokes about about trans people, um, about uh spousal abuse i mean it was <laughs> it was amazing it's like wow that is the so i think that's interesting you said a false premise i mean um there was somebody just a non-comedian who posted something in sarcasm on linkedin today i was going to uh -huh. comment it was so complicated to have to explain but i think the issue she's like well it's sarcasm is what she said to somebody who's like i don't think this is true she's like oh i was being sarcastic and i'm like but oh, I don't. But who is your voice? I don't understand the voice of who is the sarcastic person who is saying this because none of it <laughs> makes sense. So that false yeah. premise thing that rings true. Like when comedians go off all the time, they're like, it's funny because it's true. It's funny because it's true. Uh, that's that false premise thing. Right. Whatever you can write uh, a joke uh, involving transsexuals. There's ways, but if you know enough about these situations that the person's riffing and saying is funny, you're like, yeah, uh, you're the first your first step in the joke is not true. So that's yeah. not true about about uh, transsexual people. So then now the yeah. whole joke's not funny. And I'm like or, uh, or transgender. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. He had a whole joke about it was about sports. It was oh, it was just terrible. It was about having trans women and, oh, you know, that was like, no, that's not how it works. Like it was just <laughs> 
It was just bad. I've like forgotten. I like went home and I like wrote about it in my journal. <laughs> it was so bad. It's funny because that you talk about trans. Uh, Dave Chappelle has his. Uh, I guess so. One of the things he got railed on in the past couple of years for those stand-up yeah. specials is he had some stuff in there, especially about you know. If LeBron again, it's the like, well, if LeBron James were playing in the WNBA, apples to apples, oranges oh, to oranges, no. whatever. Yeah, Is and that so what he did. Oh no, like See, I was avoiding compli- it. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, that's not. That's not how it works. <laughs> um. Uh, but yeah. I've seen people talk about things. Again, there's comedians I don't agree with. And I'm like, oh, that joke is still funny. I understand right. your perspective. I understand the, the whole perspective. This is a difference of opinion. You're exploring one side of this. And uh, yeah, I got you. Exactly. Like Bill Burr. Like, I don't, I'm not right. a huge fan of Bill Burr, but dang, Bill Burr is funny. And yeah. like, I can't, I can't be mad. You know, you're like, no, that was funny. You got me, you know? He's nuanced too. I just watched his special, his 2019 special, and he goes, he heavily goes after all the people who bug him on one side, but at the same time, uh-huh. he goes railing off of the at different times. He goes railing on people at, at at both sides in a situation, mm-hmm. and so you're like, all right, well, that's nuanced. And it's and it's funny. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah. Did you see the clip of Bill Burr talking to Joe Rogan about masks? <laughs> no, but now I'm gonna go on and get. Uh, oh, I do. Uh, can, wait, can I predict that Bill Burr thinks it's fine to make everybody wear a mask and Joe Rogan thinks it's uh, fascist? Oh. Let's find out, audience. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, you are correct. Yeah, you okay, are I correct. guess right. So they should go listen to the I will. I'll put that in there. They should go listen. Oh, to the it's thing. so funny. It is so funny. Well, I don't you know what? Actually, I don't. I don't know if Joe Rogan actually says anything, but, but I noticed that also Joe Rogan. Um, He's he lets people part of the criticism against him sometimes in his podcast is that he he gets people on who have an interesting point of view, but they're wrong about a lot of things. But either Joe doesn't know uh-huh. or he just lets he's not there to argue with all mm-hmm. this. Yeah, I invited you on my show, so it's not my job to tell you you're wrong for the next 45 minutes. So he sits back and but, lets people talk a lot of time. So, yeah. And it legitimizes some things that should not be legitimized, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, honestly, um, like aliens like enough joe we get it we get it you're into the macho mma sports and you think they're aliens fine do i have really this is why i can't listen to them anymore there's too many fighters and there's too many alien people i, 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 really I never i only hear it in lifts i never i never listen um okay we're, yeah. we're spending too much time on people i don't enjoy let's talk about jimmy pardo let's talk jimmy about pardo is he the old is he the announcer? Maybe no. I'm thinking. No. Never mind. Nope, you're thinking of Don Pardo. Um, Jimmy Pardo is the okay. host of the long-running podcast Never Not Funny. Jimmy Pardo is the man who saved me from listening to Adam Carolla. Um, yeah. <laughs> because you know, I listened to Loveline. I enjoyed the Adam Carolla. Me too. And. Uh, so I was like, oh, I want to continue listening to the Adam Carolla. And then I found myself getting into like the uh, hugely depressed with the perspective of uh, dating and men and women through the lens of Carolla and his fans. Right. And um, Jimmy Pardo was on the podcast. And I, I, don't, I think I kind of knew who Jimmy Pardo was. Anyway, Jimmy Pardo was a guest. And I'd like seen a, I'd seen his comedy. Um, and Adam Carolla started in on his whole 
guys who say their wives is their best friend. They're lying, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Jimmy Pardo, just straight face. is like, my wife is my best friend. What, what are you talking about? And the clouds parted, Brendan. <laughs> <and> the light <laughs> shone down. And the angels sang. And I was like, what? Who is this funny man who thinks that his wife is his ba- What? And I was like, all right, screw you Corolla people. I'm going to listen to this guy because uh, it was the best. He was like, no, my wife is my best friend. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and yeah, it just, and I've told Jimmy Pardo this story once many years ago that <laughs> he saved my life because I was so depressed, Brendan. Just trying to figure out how to uh, how to date, how to like, interact with men in that misogynistic environment, not saying that Adam Krola himself necessarily is a misogynist, but I'm just saying his fandom is a misogynist environment. So I would say Adam Carolla is somebody who locked in his views on things. And 20 years later, he believes the same things he did 20 years before. And so if you agree with those things, you're on par. If you don't, you don't. Compare that to Bill Burr, who says all kinds of things that can be regarded as misogynistic, um, Mm -hmm. anti-women and sexist. But if you listen to him for more than five minutes, he's now going to say things on the other side about the fact I love hearing him interact with his wife. When his wife wanders in, sometimes he's in a good mood. Sometimes she's in a good mood. Sometimes in a bad mood. (laughs) They bark at each other. It it entertains me. So he does the – he kind of does the version of, you know – uh, women are like this, men are like this. So he plays that off and he always kind of laughs about it because he's, it feels uh-huh. like everything he says, he knows it's not fully true. And so the laughing mm. backs it up again. So right. the, pe- the people who stand on those gender stereotypes and they plant both feet and decide with a sword and shield, they're going to fight for that gender stereotype. Like, dude, that's yes. a tedious position to be in. Yeah. And it, and it, it seriously bummed me out. Like, yeah. I was like, how... So in order, so I, I, I honestly, I came away and, you know, and, and I can't put it all on other people. You know, I bought into it and that's on me yeah. um, and I found my way out of it. But, you know, I was convinced for a few years that the only way to find happiness was for me to look perfect. You know, yeah. um, that was the, the only way I had, just had to, you know what, you are flawed and you have to fix it and that's it. You have no chance. Because I feel like the the standard line from Corolla is, uh, I I mean, he, the old gender stereotype is men have their muscles and their, and their handyman skills and women have their looks. So that's how we find each other. And that's what all this is based on. Right. And I was like, but I'm funny and I'm talented. That doesn't count. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. (laughs) You know, it was, it was painful. It was really painful. And uh, yeah. Just to be like, no, your brain, that whole brain thing you've been working on for years. Meh. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares about that, honey. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm just shitting on comedy, um, comedians now. Uh, uh, oh, so this I'm is sorry. the, I mean, this is the path. Look, uh, I mean, it's always, it's, we, you, we can talk about people we love and that comes up, but whenever you're discussing 
issues or you're talking about something real, you're, I, my inclination, and I think everybody's inclination, it tends to slide into the negative. I mean, it happens with comedians and it happens with when you're sitting around talking, usually the things that bother you are the things that bubble up. I feel like, yeah. But now I'm you feel sorry, like you, you went too dark. Wait, I want to ask, I, I have another question to ask. I want to know what okay. others think about your comedy stuff. So what positive other, or negative. What? I'm sorry. What do, what do other people think about your decades long involvement with the comet with comedy scene, fandom and comedy? Like um, people in your family, friends. Who, I've always been this way to my family. So they're just like, yeah, that's what you're about. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, my, uh, my friend, my best friends, um, girlfriend like tells people I'm a comedian and I'm like no stop doing that because I took those improv classes she's like oh she's a comedian I'm like no no I'm not I took classes that's about it I don't um you probably got a certificate I, I mean you were, and if you didn't get a certificate honestly we could just make one for you I feel like okay, you could just yeah okay <laughs> but I mean so many people took this class you know it doesn't make me special so many people took take those classes you know She's so proud many people of you. What? She's proud of you. I think that's important. Oh, that is that is nice. Um, you know, I don't know. It's not something I don't tell a lot of people, like my coworkers. I don't, I don't, I don't talk about myself that much at work. So sometimes, you know, when you're doing those icebreaker things at work, you're like, what is something people don't know about you? You know, I can bust that out every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I remember once a coworker like mentioned John Mulaney and I was like, whoa, 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 what? Who, what? <laughs> you know, I was like all excited that somebody else was yes. a comedian, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, that's just like who, I, I guess it's just part of who I am to my friends. They know that, you know, uh, Takura's has a crush on this comedian and, uh, uh, yeah, I spent last year, the last year having a really bad crush on a comedian. It was bad. Really what do you want? Is it? Are you still in recovery, uh, or can you tell I, I, us who it was? I'm just, I'm just over it. I'm not comfortable telling anybody who it is. Okay. My friends all know. Yeah. Um, I'm just over it now, but I've stopped. I, I'm so uncomfortable that I've stopped listening to the podcast that they're on. I'm four episodes behind on their podcast because I'm just, you know, you get that like, shame. I'm in that shame period now. Where it's like, oh. and they probably don't even know. I mean, I have met this person, you know, but they probably, they probably don't even know that I had a crush on them. <laughs> right. You know, uh, I was just that girl that kept showing up, you know. Um, but I feel like, like, oh no, what did I do? You know, and they, they have no idea. But I feel like I, I've shamed myself somehow. So, um, what was I talking about? Now I'm sad. I made myself sad. I'm so. <laughs> <laughs> I love make, comedy. I love um, comedians. Yes. They're awesome. Let's talk about female comedians. Let's talk about Lori Kilmartin and Maria Bamford and Jackie Cation. So they make me so happy. Oh my God. Maria Bamford. Uh, I, she's a, she's a twit. She's in, her comedy is insane. And I, her comedy is anarchist, which I like. It just doesn't, it doesn't yes. make any sense in the most beautiful way. Uh, it's it, she's a genius um, yeah. a friend my friend got a bought us um bought me and some other people like um tickets to uh, her zoom show last week uh she did like a zoom stand-up show she and uh jackie cation and it was a beautiful thing it was so good she makes me happy 
she, for years, I will go through a state, I will remember, like, people's my favorite joke. I know, I know what my favorite Jimmy Pardo joke is. <laughs> I know what my, but I, you know what, I don't know what my favorite Pat Mosel joke is anymore. Um, I know what my favorite Blink Patch joke is. And Maria Bamford at Max Fun Con a few years ago had a joke that was so perfect, it almost made me cry. And it was like, I, I don't, I will not do it justice, but it was like comparing religion to, oh gosh, I'm not going to do it right. Like uh, comparing religion to like a starving child saying like something like a McDonald's sign in the distance, just <laughs> glowing. It was so but it was put per, you know, it was much better than what I just did. But it was so perfect. I'm like, yes, that is what religion is. We are sad people, and I, I, I laughed and cried, and <laughs> it was profound. And I wish I didn't ruin it for people. But well, what did you think about? So her TV show on Netflix. The best part about that is in in any um stand up um any stand up she does, she has different voices and different characters that mm-hmm. come out. But mm-hmm. I loved that because then you realized oh shit, these things are almost like multiple personalities. Like these people are fully fleshed out in your head yes. already when you these say are, These are real people. Yeah, like um, I well, have been listening to a podcast that she's on and where she does a character or it's like a character-based podcast. And then at the Zoom show, she started talking about a friend of hers from... Uh, high school or from her hometown or something that she recently got in contact with and then she went into the voice and I'm like oh, that's that character you do <laughs> is it her rich I'm I'm in love with her rich white woman voice uh, <laughs> or, oh, the, deep, the deep voice <laughs> you're right it's the one that sounds like it's from a commercial from 1972 it's your standard stereotypical uh, no it's a it's a high it's one of the higher Okay. It's, it's one of the higher pitched, um, almost hysterical voices. Um, <laughs> it's one of those, but it was, yeah, it was so exciting. I was like, oh, this is a real person and well, not a real person, but this, I see where this came from. It was so exciting. But here's a fun, another fun fact about me. Never, I never watched her TV show because I'm all about the live comedy, baby. I uh, <laughs> did not watch a second of Lady Dynamite. Sorry. Uh, now let me ask, is this a, is this now, is it really a preference choice or has it become a philosophical stance that you won't watch these things <laughs> or is it really still like when I try, I don't like them? It, yeah. It's just like, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I, I mean, okay. I, I can't make myself click it. Hey. I can't make my, you know, my, my remote thumb won't select it. Like when I first got Netflix, I like <laughs> loaded up my queue with all the stand-up specials, and they're still there. I haven't watched a single one. <laughs> I have not watched one. You know, I, like I fair. love I I love Nicole Byer. I love John Mulaney. I haven't watched their specials. Um, like oh, and like comedy albums. Like I have a, I I will buy your album. I will buy your album. To support I will you. not listen to it. Yeah, yeah, I will not listen to it. <laughs> I have purchased so many people's albums online. Do you buy things on Spotify? I don't know. CD Baby, uh, <laughs> whatever. 
I will buy your stuff and then it'll just sit there on my computer and I won't listen to it because I just can't. I just, I need to be there. I need to be there. I need to be looking at your face. I need to be forced to pay attention to you, I guess is what it is. Cause so we it's my attention span. The the way you the way you consume this media is the normal human way of consuming media. We only since the time they started recording things on whatever first whatever that before vinyl there was something before vinyl uh-huh. that they recorded stuff on. Before then, everyone who wanted to see something, hear something, experience something. Every city had to have its own orchestra because if you don't hear the Ninth Symphony in your orchestra in your town, you're not going to hear it anywhere else. I mean, what you right, right, <laughs> right. Yours yeah. is the authentic experience. We just have all this now that all this recorded media now that's available to us at all times. Yeah. It's a total. I think it's a different thing. But you know what? I, I will listen to podcasts though. That's the thing. What? That's where. I will listen to podcasts, but again, for a limited amount of time, I'll get a few years and then I'm done. And the uh, podcast is not, the podcast is not the, it has almost nothing to do with the live show. They're two completely different. You're right. You're right. Because it's always changing. It's always different. It's always changing. It's yeah. Yeah. So that is closer to the lot. Yeah. See, I need, I need change. Mix it up. (laughs) Keep it going. I need novelty, which is so funny because I will watch the same. Mystery Science Theater episode like 15,000 times, but I'm like, I novelty. Uh, I think there are, but do you agree there are bad MST3K episodes? Uh, there are definitely bad jokes. There are things that don't age well. Okay, um, but not the whole. You've never watched an entire one and been like, this one's really a dud. No. Which ones do you think are bad? Shoot, I don't know. I, I probably flushed them from my memory. I just remember some of them uh, like hysterically laughing and other times like, after 20 or 30 minutes, I'm like, uh, uh, I don't know. So okay. like maybe but, some of the early ones, because the pacing is really different. Like the first season ones from like right out of Minneapolis, there's not a lot of jokes in it and that can get kind of boring. Yeah. Oh, there's, you're right. There's, they are playing, there's longer pauses where they're actually listening to the movie. Yeah. Um, what's really funny is have you watched the revival, like the last couple, the no. last two seasons? Uh, the revival is just joke machine. It is like not a moment of pause. It's just like joke, 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 joke. It's like ah, ah, you're just like exhausted. It's so funny. It yeah. There's just nothing but jokes on the new on the new seasons. Because we don't need to end on the negative. Because we talked about some problematic issues with comedy. Is oh, there? Can I? Oh, sorry. You were going to talk so- about female comedians, and then yes. I derailed you on to Maria Bamford. It's okay. It is okay. Um, I want to, yeah, people like to shit on female comedians. Um, Janine Garofalo was an early hero of mine. Um, Whoopi Goldberg was an even earlier hero of mine, although she's not considered a stand-up. She's more of a storyteller, but still, I don't care. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, Jackie and Lori have a podcast, which I highly recommend, where they talk about comedy and stuff. Um, but... I remember one of them talking about how, like, when a woman comic comes on stage, the women in the audience, like, relax. And I didn't realize that was conscious. I did not consciously realize that. And it is true. I remember going to a stand-up show to see Gareth Reynolds, who was another stand-up comedian that I adore. It was at, like, some restaurant somewhere in L.A. And uh, there were a lot of bunch of bro dudes came up to do some stand-up. And then Whitney Cummings walked into the room. 
and I'd never seen Whitney Cummings do stand up. I knew who she was. I'd probably seen her like maybe on like TV or something. Right. But when she got on stage, my shoulders went down and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I actually relaxed a little bit. So I'm like, oh, thank God, a woman. I didn't realize it until somebody, until Jackie and Lori pointed it out. Yeah, there is like a bit of tension as a woman watching a bunch of dudes go up and do comedy. Cause you're like, oh, what are they gonna, you know, like, oh, what's this dude gonna say? When you don't know who they are, um, you know, you're just waiting for the uh, what Jackie calls the bitches man. You know, you're just waiting for the <laughs> the bitches man bit to come out. You know, and then Whitney Cummings went up and just slayed the house. She, I was like, oh, this is why you had two sitcoms on TV at the same time, and people were going after you, but you're amazing, and it was amazing i was going to ask about because you described that that relaxation and i was going to ask whether it was <clears throat> is this a is this a subconscious thing where there's a just a different energy but i know now that you've said it and i haven't thought a ton about it it i and i get tired of this as a guy oh there's a guy comedian you're exactly right somewhere in that hour he's going to talk about the difference between men and women and how men are like <laughs> this and women are like this stereotypes like they're just tiring that's why i mean you mentioned the storyteller whoopi goldberg like can we just talk yeah. about individual stories a little bit about who that person is the stereotypes that's i think that's where first of all that's the number one way people get into trouble is not telling yeah. a story about individuals so that's how people mm. wind up in trouble uh, but it's exhausting mm -hmm. because great you're gonna go into here's the litany of what you think is true about stare about groups of people and if i don't agree your joke's gonna land flat Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. You're so right. Specificity. Um, yeah. Yeah. When I took, when I took storytelling classes, <laughs> like, oh, what a genius I am again. Um, you know, they talk about, oh, and I think Janine Garofalo has mentioned this to other people mentioned, I think it's like a truism, but like when you add, and there's a better way of saying it, I don't know what it is, but like when you add those details, that's what makes the story universal. When you're adding something that you think only applies to you, somehow, you know, when you're more specific, the specificity makes it universal. Um, oh, you make it more, you make it more relatable, the more specific, not too specific, but you know, like the more specific you are in telling the story. If you keep it super general, it's not, people can't relate to it. It's interesting. Like, I can't come up with an example, but, it, it, you know, it's there. Like, when people are telling these stories, you know, like, Whoopi Goldberg doing uh, the little girl. I, I remember, do you remember her? I don't know if you ever saw the the show, the one-woman show she did that won her all the awards. I don't know if you ever saw it. I it's think I did tongue. watch it, but it's, I think it's just such a long time ago. But right. I, do, I do remember her little, I do remember her little, the little, little girl. Uh-huh, I do remember Yeah, and, and I... And the little girl with the, the towel and the hair. And I was just like, holy shit, that's me. <laughs> you know? And I know a, a bunch of, I know some gay men who did the same thing. Holy <laughs> shit, that's me. You know? And like, did Whoopi consciously say, I'm going to reach out to the gay men in the audience by doing this? Probably not. You know, she's like, oh, this is, you know, something that I've experienced and something that I did, you know? And in doing, being so specific with that little girl with the towel hair, she reached so many people, you know? Wow. Now, yeah. Now I have to go back and I'm going to have to go back and watch some of that. Let's talk about representation in the arts. No, you want to wrap it up. I'm sorry. No, no. So uh, my last question is, so, okay, we were, <laughs> I had not thought about that. And first of all, I would not be sensitive 
as a generally idiotic person who's only in my own little bubble, we're not sensitive generally to what's happening with the other people in an audience. We're just sensitive mm. to us and what's happening right. with us. So yeah, I hadn't thought about the fact that energy is different. I knew it's aggravating. It's tiring actually watching all these specials and seeing again when they're going to fall into the stereotype. So I'm really glad you talked about because there isn't an, there is an energy difference when you know the person isn't going to lean on lean on that. Yeah. Who has been really? You've mentioned some people you like. Are there people, and you just mentioned Whoopi Goldberg and Gene Garofalo, is there a comedian or a group of comedians that have been super important to you, not just because you thought they were funny, but because somehow they were deeply important to you, important to your soul, important to yourself. They changed you or they gave you new vocabulary for living life you didn't have before. I know that's a problem. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely Whoopi Goldberg, you know, because of, you know, just seeing somebody that looked like me on HBO, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, when I would go to hockey games in San Jose, when I was, you know, center, yeah. but I, I would have brain, I would have my braids in and like people would, ask, and I knew somebody that worked security security. And she would tell me later, like people asked if you were Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I get facially there are similarities, but that woman is much older than me. <laughs> hurts my feelings a little bit um that spoke to me I don't know I feel like you know oddly enough Mark Marin was one of the first comedians that I heard talking about depression and mental illness and that meant a lot to me um before I heard Maria you know yes it, it was Mark Marin me and my friend going to see Mark Marin in San Francisco and I think he asked I remember at one point he asked like who who else in the audience is on meds and me and my friend are like what? <laughs> <laughs> you know it was like and this was you know like a lot a while like this was like probably 20 years ago and people you know didn't talk about it yeah and it was so stigmatized I feel like yeah so I think Mark Marin meant a lot to me um yeah, would be change my vocabulary. Yeah, you know, it might be Mark Marin talking about mental illness because that was, yeah, that was really hard. It was, re yeah, still hard. It, it's still uncomfortable to talk about, you know, depression and anxiety. I mean, people. So now we have comedian. I mean, we have it as the subject and part of TV shows, and we have it with comedians. But there is something. There's something about a person who. I mean, Mark Marin still. You can, I don't, it's not a gimmick. You can hear it. Like if you get depressed or you get down, you can just hear it. Mark Maron doing this podcast. It's not every episode, but you could, sometimes he talks directly about it. But the, if you're, if you're prone to depression, doesn't matter how much medication you take, how much therapy you go to, you're always going to face this darkness sitting around. And sometimes it's really dark and sometimes it's a little dark, but it really helps when exact that specificity I feel I'm going through this. I feel this. You feel this too. It's totally different than, hey, man, depression. What a bummer. Let's talk about that <laughs> society. The people do that now where after there's a suicide, everybody wants to, the comedians that don't know anything about depression or don't deal with mental health issues, you know, they, they want to sound off and they want to say they're supportive. And it's just never the same as somebody coming out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, Maria Bamford has a, a whole bit about it and about <laughs> like, like the suicide hotline number. She's like, I know what the number is. I know you don't have to tell me. <laughs> yeah. I know it. It's not the problem. Uh, which is so, so true. Problem isn't knowing the number. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> the guitar 
Okay, well, this last thing, you you um talked way early. You talked early about, like, I've got a podcast. And I was just, I mean, I like your podcast. And I think you should do podcasts. And maybe that's your plan or maybe. So tell me, tell everybody, where should people look for Takura in the on the interwebs and out and about? Where do you want people to look? Uh, my podcast is The Monkeys Podcast, P-A-W-C-A-S-T dot com. Um, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, Monkeys Podcast, um, everywhere. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever. And, um, yeah, that's the best way to reach me. Um, where we talk about the Monkeys episodes and, um, you know, the comedy within and what stands up and what does not stand up. And Brendan was on our last episode, which we're still working on getting out there. Um, but hey, what's the deal? You've made it incredibly hard. So monkeys, M-O-N-K-E-E-S. E-E-S. Obviously, I'll put oh, this right. But then explain to me what's the inside joke? The logo is a hand with the five fingers with like little kind of finger puppets of the monkeys. Uh-huh. Why is it P-A-W-D-C-A-S-T? What is the paw? Oh, oh my God. Okay, <laughs> I got you, monkey's paw. That is the monkey's paw, uh-huh. y'all. Do you know that's now? Because I knew if I've known about this for a long time. And so, okay. All right, fine. I got it. Monkey's paw. Okay. I'm an idiot. Paw. I no, look at it's like, okay. there must be something about the, like the, the company, like the people who help her make it or whatever. I'm like, there must be some like monk, like pod paw thing. Okay. <laughs> no, it's just the, just the pun on the monkey's paw. paw. That's it. There's a, there's a whole, there's an episode too. There's a monkey's paw episode. Um, Is it actually about the monkey's paw? Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Fishes and- Make, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Mickey gets a monkey's paw. Yeah, exactly. It's Mickey. It's great. It's your favorite. Uh, yeah, I, I was completely wrong about all the monkeys, and now I've been, I've been, now I know which one is my favorite, and uh, <laughs> support him for my dying day. Yeah, yeah Mickey, and he was recently admitted to the uh, what is it, the L.A. or the California Songwriters, uh, California Music Musician Hall of Fame? I don't know. He was recently admitted to some regional Hall of Fame for music. I don't remember if it was California or L.A., but Mickey Dolenz, underrated vocalist, y'all. Totally underrated. Such okay, well, voice. we'll go. Uh, we'll go look for some Mickey Dolan stuff too. Uh, okay, well, I really appreciate you taking the time. This was really fun. Um, this was fun. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And uh, I close everything just explaining. You know, this this was Takura, and uh, she knows a lot about comedy, and she loves live comedy shows. Woo!